Well, this morning we're going to continue on in our lesson, and if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Mark chapter 10, and we're going to go a lot through the gospel of Mark. And guys, I'm reminded you to get signed up for the men's conference coming up. It'll be here before you realize it. And so two weeks ago, we... Uh, Two weeks ago, we uh, did the first part of this message on Bible answers to the question about praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in another tongue. And so that's where we are this morning. This is part two. And uh, in praying about this, I had another area. I was going to go and walk through all the accounts in the book of Acts. And let me just say it like this. There are five counts in the book of Acts of people receiving the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And then secondly, in, in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2 in Samaria, in Acts chapter 9, the Apostle Paul, in Acts chapter 10, the disciples, uh, the, the, the people in Cornelius' house, him and his family, and in Acts chapter 19, the disciples at Ephesus. And in every one of those counts, it's people receiving the initial baptism of the Holy Spirit or receiving the Holy Spirit. Another term that we hear or that is a Bible term is that they were filled. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they were all filled with the Spirit. So the, the, the essence is being filled with the Spirit. Paul asked the disciples at Ephesus, have you received the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So the essence was, have you received the Holy Spirit? Didn't it ask it, so it was salvation and the Holy Spirit. Did you get the whole package? Amen? Have you received everything God has made available to you? And so I'm walking through that. And then it's interesting that in every one of those accounts, there, there is reference to a evidence of them receiving the Holy Spirit, a way of knowing that they had received. Are you with me? And so on the day of Pentecost, they all began to speak another tongue. At Cornelius' house, they all began to speak another tongue. The disciples at Ephesus all began to speak another tongue. In Acts chapter 9, Cornelius came, I mean, uh, Ananias came to Paul and said, The Lord has sent me that you would receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't say that Paul spoke in tongues at that time, but in Acts chapter 14, I believe it is in verse 18, Paul says, I thank my God, I pray in tongues more than you all. So Paul has the experience of a prayer language, and if we go back to the reference of the book of Acts, you find that that began when people are received the Holy Spirit or are filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so in dealing with that. And then at Samaria, it doesn't say that they spoke with tongue, but it says as of yet, they had all been saved and water baptized, confessed Christ, have been water baptized. But as of yet, the Holy Spirit had not fallen upon any of them. So Peter and John came down and laid their hands upon them and they received the Holy Spirit. So receiving without just a significant sign, but we know that Simon the sorcerer of that day saw something there that something was so dramatic that, that he saw in that with them laying on the hands that he wanted to buy the ability to be able to lay hands on people so they would receive the Holy Spirit. So there had to be a corresponding sign. Something was seen and heard. Amen? 
And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon us, he is almost always seen and heard. He comes upon us for, for that purpose, to be seen and to be heard. Praise the Lord. And so, but I, I want to take this maybe to a little different level, because one of the hang-ups when it comes to praying in the Spirit is letting God use your voice. That's one of the hang-ups that we have, is allowing the Lord to use our voice. So I'm going to take what's going to seem like a little detour, but when we get to the end, it'll make sense this morning. So look at Mark chapter 10, and on the cover of your outline, I put this as our starting verse. But in Mark chapter 10, it says this, But then Jesus said to them, or this is where James and John have come to Jesus, and they're asking him, We want to sit on your right hand, or on, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. And Jesus says, What do you want me to do? He says, in, in your kingdom and in glory, we want to sit one on your right hand, and one on your left hand. And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. And, but then he says this. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you ask. Are you, look at this, are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Now, what did Jesus say in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed? Lord, let this cup pass from me. And so he knew what he was about to endure, the cup of suffering. He knew he was about to endure that. And he says, are you, are you going to be able to drink of this cup of suffering or endurance in this life with me. How many know Jesus said that, that we're blessed when we're persecuted for righteousness sake. He wasn't crucified for being a criminal. He was crucified for righteousness. Amen. And you and I. And so he says we're blessed and we're like the prophet. So he says are you able to drink of the cup that I'm about to drink. And now why? And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. And they said to him we are able. So Jesus said to them you will indeed drink of the cup that I drink. And with the baptism I am baptized with you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. But it is for those for whom it is prepared. So let me put you like this. What Jesus is saying, I am baptized. When he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit, when he was baptized in Jordan by John, he came up out of the water. The Holy Spirit descended upon him. Amen? The Holy Spirit descended upon him, and that was the anointing or the power, and his ministry began from that point. And so that anointing or the power to do ministry. And when Jesus told his disciples, he said, you go tarry in Jerusalem till you are endued with power from on high. So the baptism that he's talking about is the baptism of the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to be able to endure drinking the cup. Could you say amen? And so that's the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, when it comes to speaking in another tongue, how do I know when I've received the power? Why would God give us an evidence? Why would he give a sign or an evidence that we had received it? God wants you to know that you have received the Holy Spirit. And one way that that is, is that the Holy Spirit or the, the initial evidence of that is by God giving us a prayer language and we allow the Holy Spirit to use our voice. So look at the cover of your outline. I believe this. Man, meaning all of humanity, was created by God to contain spirit. Meaning we are vessels that were formed in the beginning to be filled with the spirit of God, having his life within it. You were created, man formed man out of the dust of the earth, and he formed us in such a way that he could breathe his life, his spirit into us. And his spirit coming into us would cause us to have life. So our life is to be from his spirit. Amen. Our life isn't to be, the, our flesh or, or, or our vessel wasn't to be the source of our life. Are you doing all right? 
but it was to be his spirit was to give us life. And so in this area, and so God's will has always been, follow with me in your outline, God's will has always been that his creation would walk in the spirit with him and that our fellowship and our communication would be on his level, meaning spiritual. God's will is that we would be in a spiritual relationship with him, not just a natural relationship. We have natural relationship. We're saying hi to one another on a surface level this morning. And then if you get to know one another, your relationship relationship goes a little deeper. You begin to become acquainted with somebody. You build a bond of friendship. Amen? But, but God wants us to have an intimate exchange. We shared with you last week, or the Message Bible says when we're praying in the Spirit, it says that, that we're sharing intimacies with God. So he desires, there, or two weeks ago, that he desires this intimate relationship with us. Jesus said it like this in John chapter 4. He says, but the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father, how? In spirit and in truth. True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So in spirit is different than in natural. Are you listening to me? You have to make the distinction. We try to make everything we do naturally spiritual. And it's not. So there, there, there is an essence of worshiping God in the spirit or by the spirit. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. I like what the New Living Translation says. God is looking for people who will worship him that way. How? In spirit and in truth. Or in other words, you opening your spirit up to God and worshiping God out of your spirit. Not just out of your head, not just out of your emotion, but completely out of your spirit. For God is what? God is what? God is spirit. And look what Jesus said. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So you were created to have spiritual exchange with God. And that's what the Holy Spirit brings into our life. With the fall of man, man in his sin, deadness of sin, the Spirit of God went out of man. And man continued to live, but God did not dwell in him anymore. So through Christ and his redemption, we are now cleansed by the blood, and God is able to dwell in us again. He's able to abide within us. Are you with me this morning? And so it's so important for us to understand. So now I'm going to take what may seem to be a detour, but it's to illustrate an important point. So look at me here in Luke chapter 11. I want you to see this. Jesus is, is uh, dealing with them, and they're, and they're questioning him about demons and about authority and stuff. And Jesus says this, when an evil spirit, watch this, when an evil spirit does what? When an evil spirit what? Leaves a person. It goes into the desert searching for rest, but when it finds none, look what it says. It says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds that its former, its former what? Home is swept and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter, and they all enter the person, and what? Live there. So Jesus is saying that man, now stay with me, you were created to contain spirit. You know that? God knows that, and the devil knows that. And the spirit in you 
was supposed to be the leading force of your life. God created you so that His Spirit would be the leading force of your life. That's why Romans 8 says, As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Is this making sense this morning? Okay, so I want you to get, as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. So now, and then it says, so that person is worse off than before. And so here we have spirits declaring that they're going to go dwell inside of a person. And we're going to break this down as we go on. So Jesus declares that demonic spirits view us as a place to call home. And that multiple spirits can abide in a man at the same time. Because spirit does not have volume. Amen. The bigger you are doesn't mean you have more of God. Are you with me? In fact, Jesus said, except you become as a child, a child can receive the fullness of God as well as a full-grown adult. Amen? Because spirit doesn't have measure as we think about it. That's why you, you, that's, and that's where we miss it. We think in such natural terms. The Bible says that of his fullness we have received. You have all of God living on the inside of you. All that God is, everything that he is, abides on the inside of you. Amen. If we ever renew our minds to this, it solves a lot of our problems. Amen. So watch this. So throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus interacting with demonic spirits and people and casting out demons, demons out of people on a regular basis. He also gives power and authority to his disciples and to us as believers to do the same thing. To do what? Cast demons out of the place they're calling their home. Amen. Now the problem with us today, we've become too sophisticated for demonic possession. And in our sophistication, what we've learned is that when people have demons manifesting, what we need to do is not cast that thing out. We need to get the body so drunk that they can't drive it. So when demons are manifesting, we give people drugs. All right, I don't care whether you agree with me or not. I really don't care. Amen. And so what happens is we get the person so stoned, the devil can't even use them. Amen. So watch this. Watch. So, because we were not created, watch this, because we were not created to be a temple or a dwelling place for demonic spirits, we were not created, God did not create man to give the devil a home. You were not created for devils to have a dwelling place. We were created to be the temple and the dwelling place of God. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God, what? So God's desire is to dwell in you. Let me put it to you this way. God's desire is to dwell in you and the devil's desire is to dwell in you. You have two forces that understand you are a dwelling place for spirit. Amen? And both of them want to abide in you. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy. Which temple are you? 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. So God has declared that he created us to live in us. 
and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Romans 8 says this, verses 9 through 11. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. So watch it. It is the Spirit of God. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of who? Of Christ. So we have the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. Now stay with me. He is not of His. And if who Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Are you with me? So what I'm saying is in this one verse, you have the whole trinity, trinity in there. Are you with me? The whole triune nature of God is brought in this verse. And so all of God is in you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Are you doing all right? Now what? But if the Spirit of Him, the Holy Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit, who what? Dwells in you. Now, now that, that, that word... Give life means there, and, and that, that he will also uh, give life to your mortal body. The King James says quicken. It means to make alive, to bring health to your body. So when we ever understand, we have the life of God on the inside of us. It, it is energizing to us. It is health to us. Could you say amen? But it, we, we get so conditioned... And we operate so much out of our mind. And that's why the Bible says that we're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. In a little bit, if we get there this morning, I'm going to show you, you have two minds. Amen. But you have to choose which one you have, have to operate. And Paul said like this, Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you that is also in Christ Jesus. Let the mind of Christ be in you that is also put, put off the old man and put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge. Amen? And so there, there is a, a renewing that takes place. Now hear me. There's a void in the life of every person that was created to be filled by God's Spirit. No substitute can fill his place. No substitute can fill his place and make you feel full. Only God can give you fullness in your life. What we do is instead of being filled and allowing God to completely dwell in us and, and, and desiring to understand that and walk in the fullness of that understanding, we continually try to fill the void that only can be filled by God with money, with things, with happiness. We think a person, a soulmate, somebody, a partner, somebody else is going to do it. We keep trying to get something else to fill the void that only He can fill. Are you with me? And when I begin to live understanding His fullness and allowing His fullness and dwelling, understanding that God dwells in me and I live out, it changes every relationship I have. It changes every yoke of bondage that is upon my life. You become a free person. Those who the Son has set free are free indeed. And if you are trying to fill a void with something other than God, I'll tell you right now, you're a person under bondage. You are not free. Because you have to have something else, and you're in search, and you have no contentment, no peace. You're worried about losing it. What if I lose this? What if I lose that? What if this happens? What is that? It doesn't matter what happened. You are in God. Are you doing all right? So, is this making sense already? He said, when are you going to talk about praying in tongues? We're getting there. So watch it. 
So the scripture teaches us that we are spiritual containers created to contain God's spirit. But we can also be containers, as we've seen, of demonic spirit. So what are some of the differences between the two? First of all, demonic spirits control and use your mind, or use our minds, our bodies, and our voices to do their will. Demonic spirits, when you read people, what a demonic spirit does, it wants to take control of your life using your mind, your body, and your voices to do their will. Let me give you an example. John chapter 9, verse 55 uh, a couple of disciples, I believe James and John, come over there. Called the, they, they got nicknamed the Sons of Thunder because of this. Said so we saw some other people doing things, and they aren't following us. Do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? This is what Jesus says. John chapter nine verse fifty-five. You don't know what spirit you are of. What you are saying right now is not coming from God. There's another spirit motivating what you're saying. There's another spirit behind your voice. Are you listening to me? Another spirit is behind the words that are, is motivating the words that are coming out of your mouth. Because the devil speaks to your mind. Now, let, let me just help you with this. The devil sends thoughts to your mind. He operates in the realm of your mind. He wants you to do everything out of your mind. Your mind is his realm of accessibility. Are you doing okay this morning? His mind is your realm of accessibility, not your spirit. He wants to put his spirit in you. He doesn't talk to your spirit. He talks to your mind, which is why 2 Corinthians 10 says, The weapons of our warfare are not... But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and bringing into captivity every thought. Every thought in your mind that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Are you with me? So here, demonic spirits want to do that. And Jesus says to his disciples, you don't know what spirit you are of. I didn't come to destroy the world, but to save the world. You wanted me to destroy people. I came to save them. So you're operating out of the wrong spirit. Now let me put you like this. That doesn't mean you're demon-possessed. It just means you're listening to the wrong voices. You're being influenced by the wrong spirit. And Christians can be influenced by the wrong spirit. Are you with me? Watch this. Peter is with Jesus, and Jesus says, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be turned over to the hands of sinners. I'm going to be crucified. And Peter says, not so. I'm not going to let it happen. And Jesus says this, get behind me, Satan. For you, Matthew 16, he said, 23, he says, for you are an offense to me. Jesus says to Peter, turns and says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. So Peter's mind is being influenced. He's processing everything through the natural experience out of his mind. He's not done. But, but he's had times where he's heard from the Holy Spirit, where he's allowed God to speak to a spirit. Because when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Peter said, oh, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father is in heaven. So God speaks to your spirit. The devil speaks to your head. Are you with me? And the purpose is to control you. So demonic spirits are always controlling spirits that take control over the life of the one they possess. Now here's our problem. Many times we want the Holy Spirit to act like a demonic spirit. We want, to make, we want Him to make us do things. We want Him to make us speak in tongues. We want Him to make us operate in the gift. We want Him to make us witness. 
We want Him to control us. He does not control us. He leads us. Are you doing all right? That, that's why I'm dealing with this this way. Because if you don't understand the difference, you will have a twisted perspective on how God works in your life. And you will never experience the Holy Spirit flowing through your life in the fullness of the benefit of Him working in you. Secondly, the Holy Spirit, what's the difference? So the Holy Spirit asks us to allow Him to use our minds. That's what it says. Let this mind be in you. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Present yourselves as a living sacrifice. Put off the old man. Put on the new man. Everything means you cooperate with God. You agree. You work in agreement. God said, this is what I want to do in your life. I agree to work with you and to allow you to do that in my life. You doing all right? And so he wants to use our minds, our bodies, and to allow him to speak. Now listen, he asks you to allow him to speak on your behalf for your own personal good and for the benefit of others. When you allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you, the Bible says that you edify yourself and you build yourself up. This way he says, let me pray through you for your own personal good. Let me speak through your life in a language that I will give you in prayer for your own personal good. And let me use you to speak to others. Let me use your voice to speak to others for their edification and personal good. Isn't that good? So God works in our life in that way. Now, let, let me just walk through this. And uh, I went a little bit too far there. But let's just walk through this. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, the second was this. He never takes control. He only asks us to allow him to work in and through our life. Now go with me to Mark chapter 1. And I want to walk you through a couple scriptures of demonic encounters that Jesus had. And I gave you a whole list of all the references to, to demonic spirits in the gospel of Mark. And I have to do this quickly in order to get through. So I'm just going to do a couple. Mark chapter 1 and verse 21. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. Now, let me just say this again, that in order for Jesus to go into a synagogue and teach, he had to be recognized as a rabbi. Nobody just walks into the synagogue and starts teaching. Are you with me? So he needs a little bit of Jewish culture, and if you go back to that, not only was a rabbi, but he was a rabbi who declared that he had smeaker, declared that he had authority, which meant that he was not only allowed to repeat what he had been taught, but to interpret scripture, which is why they were marveled, and they asked him, by where do you get this authority, and to teach and to do these things, because he said, you have heard it been said, but I tell you. A scribe wasn't allowed to say, if you were just an average scribe or, 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 or a rabbi, you couldn't say, I know you've been taught this, but this is what you should have been taught. You were not allowed to interpret. You were only allowed to repeat unless you had authority. And Jesus always spoke with authority. Are you with me? And so he enters in the synagogue to teach. And, when they, were astonished, and, and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having what? authority and not as described now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit and he cried out now let me ask you this who cried out the man or the spirit okay now everybody look up here just for a minute so here's a man with a spirit who's claimed him as his house and that spirit in that man is now speaking with that man's voice 
So a man's voice is being used for speech by a spirit. A demonic spirit. Are you with me? Would anybody deny that? All right. I'm setting you up like a mullet. Amen. Verse 24. So look what it, and, and he cried out saying, leave us alone. Meaning there were more than one in there. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So now what? Get the picture. Jesus is in church. A devil senses his presence and knows that he's in trouble, that Jesus has authority over him. So trying to secure his position and not be evicted from his home begins to plead to be able to stay. He's a squatter. He's trespassing and he knows it. He has no right to be there because man wasn't created for him to live there. Man was created for God to live there. So he says, I know I'm not supposed to be here, and I know it, but he's trying to negotiate. So this is happening in, a, in an open conversation. A demon is using and speaking with a man's voice. A spirit is using the voice of a human being. Are you doing all right? Now watch it. But Jesus rebuked him saying, shut up and come out of him. Amen? And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. So the unclean spirit takes him, throws him on the ground. How, how many know convulsions mean to go into like an epileptic seizure or some of those things? How many know that that's not something that you just do normally? So that is a controlling spirit. He said, before I go, I'm going to torment this person a little bit more and I'm going to make them thrash on the ground, do things that they would not do naturally. I'm going to do it under my control. And they were all amazed and questioned to themselves, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority, he commands even unclean spirits. And if you read along, you'll find out that he goes on going. And, and then you find out that every place it says that they came out to be healed, that not only did he heal them, but he cast out many devils. So casting out devils and, and disp taking people out and dispossessing devils out of people's lives was a common occurrence in the ministry of Jesus. Amen. Now, don't get upset. We're not going to go way off into demon deliverance and everything else. But we've had many times here in our church over the years where we've cast devils out of people right here in service. Amen. The devil goes to church. The devil's more faithful than most Christians. He goes to church all the time. Say, Pastor, how can you say that? Because Jesus actually said the sower sows the word. And the devil's always looking for wayside ground. If you're here and you have hardness in your heart towards God, the devil's waiting for you today. Because the Bible says immediately when the word is sown, he comes immediately to steal the word. The devil comes immediately to steal, not next week, comes immediately to steal the word. So I take it from that that he's more faithful going to church than anybody else. He's at every service. Amen. How many want to outdo the devil? All right, that'll get you here next Sunday. Praise the Lord. Amen. So watch this. And then in Mark chapter 3, demons crying out using the voice of those. Mark chapter 3, watch this. And look at uh, verse 17. No, I don't want to do that. Where am I? 3, 7 through 12. There am I. All right. 
Yeah, then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him, verse 7, uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 7. When Jesus withdrew with his disciples and a great multitude of the Sea of Galilee followed him from, from Judea and Jerusalem, Imedium, beyond the Jordan, and those from Tyre and Sidon and a great multitude, when they heard how many great things he, he was doing, he came to them and he told the disciples to get in a small boat and he kept ready for, to get a small boat ready because of the multitude for lest they would crush him. So watch that. And he healed many. So that many, so as many as it had afflictions pressed about to touch him, and the unclean spirits, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried out, saying, You are the Son of God. So here, not only there, but multitudes of time, people with unclean, those spirits would speak through people. Are you getting this? Go with me to Mark chapter 5. You can read these other, go through and read all these other references here. Part of that is him giving his disciples authority over them. Mark chapter 5, we know this is the man at the tombs of Gadara. Jesus come out and, and the man with the legion of Jim. And verse 6, Mark chapter 5, verse 6. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. Get this, ran and worshipped the, the devil is super smart. Here's the problem. I, I, I like what uh, Larry Stockstill said when we were doing the, the encounter thing and list his teaching on, on some of these areas. He said, the problem that we have is that we forget that the devil is a brilliant being. This is how brilliant the devil is. He's been deceiving humanity from creation. Look at our nation today and look at the direction that's going on in society and culture all around the world. And the Bible says that the God of this world has blinded their minds. The devil is a brilliant being, and when you think he's stupid or you make funny, you set yourself up. You need to understand that God has given you the ability to counteract him. So here he comes. He says, oh, uh, we'll try something else. Let's try worshiping him, not just confront. Let's try worshiping him. Falls down and worshiping him. And he cried out with a loud voice, said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he had said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. And he asked him, what is your name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. So begged him earnestly, meant that there's an ongoing conversation. Again, here's a whole full-blown conversation taking place between Jesus and demons in a person or demonic spirits using the voice of a man. Amen. And all the demons, verse 12, and all the demons begged him. So then, how many know that got crazy? So now, let me suggest, you have multiple voices and inflection possibly happening. Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them the permission and unclean spirits went out because they want to be. This is how I can prove to you they're a demon. How many ever seen a dumb dog that chases a car? And you try to teach them not to. That dog has a demon. Oh, yeah. And pretty soon that demon will push that dog till it gets under a tire. Or it gets hit. And they just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And that, I'm teasing you in that. But anyway. But, but, but the, the, so, so what happened? The demons and the pig, they didn't stay there grazing or eating. What'd they do? They ran off the cliff. So you see animals that are out of control and doing that stuff. Could be. Possibility. Because demons want bodies. Are you listening to me? 
They, they, they want to be in a body. They, 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 demonic spirits want expression. They cannot express themselves in the earth except through a body. How many know I'm being serious about, I'm being silly about demon-possessed dogs? I said all dogs are demon-possessed if they chase the car. No, I did not say that. Amen. So why? Okay. The last one is Mark chapter 9, verse 14. Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration. And the crowd is there, and he says, what happened? And a man brings says, my son has, has, a, has an unclean spirit. And it causes him to have seizures and throws himself in the fire and cut himself. Amen? And it, I, I was hoping you could do something about this. And the disciples, you know, they get distracted. They have their spiritual highs and lows. Because they, they've cast out devils before, but now they, they just get, they've gotten casual and relying upon Jesus to do everything like none of us do. But So they weren't walking in the authority that they had been given. And so Jesus says, bring him to me. And when he rebukes the spirit, the spirit throws the child on the ground, convulses him, cries out with a loud voice again before it leaves. Amen. Now, everybody look up here just for a quick. If you're born again and you're filled with the Spirit, you have authority over all devils. The authority that's been given to you is over all devils. No Christian should ever be afraid of a devil. I give you power and authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. If a devil manifests, you should get excited because you have a chance to step on its neck. Amen. But what happened? We have been so conditioned and we have been so instilled with fear and we have so much stupid stuff that's been preached that now we have believers that don't even believe that and, and they're more scared of the, de the devil than they believe in the power of God. They believe that the devil has more power over them then they have authority over him. Hallelujah. Which is why, coming back to praying in the Holy Spirit. But you, beloved, Jude 1.20, keep yourself in the love of God, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Spirit, building up your most holy faith. Praying in the Spirit, God giving you a prayer language when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, and God empowering you. Somebody say empowering. God empowering you with a prayer language is a gift from God to you to build up your faith, to strengthen yourself so that you're not intimidated, so that you don't walk in fear. L listen to what God said. What? First Timothy, we quote it all the time. God has not given us a... Let's stop. God has not given us a... Stop right there. God does not give you spirits that control you. Fear is a controlling spirit. And if I'm giving in to fear, I'm thinking more and motivated by fear and controlled by fear. And it's canceling out my ability to walk by faith. Doing all right? God does not give us a spirit of fear, but he gives us a spirit of of and of a so the Holy Spirit is a spirit of power he is a spirit of love and he is a spirit of a sound mind 
And a sound mind is not controlled by anxiety, by worry, by stress, by fear. Are you listening to me? So God has given you His Holy Spirit. And there's a contrast between the two. And Paul is wanting to make that clear. Are you doing all right? So look at your outline. I have to finish this real quick. The purpose for looking at all of these encounters with demonic spirits living in people is to show us that they have a voice and can use the voice of a person to speak. Spirits have a voice. And they can use the voice of a person. There's going to be a day, you read in the book of Revelation, that Satan is going to enter the Antichrist and he's going to be and declare things through him and it's going to be the devil speaking through that man. <clears throat> and those leaders. So look at So the question is this. If demonic spirits can use a person's voice, why is it so hard for us to comprehend the Holy Spirit using our voice to speak and declare God's will for our lives? We can clearly see that spirit uses, has the ability to speak through a person's life. So now that I'm born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, it becomes, if you would, let me put your life, it is completely natural, if you would. For the Holy Spirit to be able to use my voice. So what do we do? We want the Holy Spirit to take control. And we lock our jaws. I dare you to get out. And we want Him to make us speak. And we don't do that with any other thing. But we put all these restrictions and religious Pseudo requirements on the Holy Spirit that restrain him from flowing in our life. When Jesus just said this in John, out of your innermost being will flow. Which is why I love the illustration of using of water and a water faucet. You just go to the faucet and turn it on. How many could literally explain to me and draw me a diagram of how water gets to your faucet from the hills of El Dorado? How many can explain how the water gets from Sly Park or whatever reservoir we draw from in our region, how it gets from there to your sink? You could diagram, you have complete understanding that you could diagram that out. And how many of you are not going to have another drink of water until you completely understand how that water gets out of your faucet? None of you. You just go to the faucet, turn it on. You don't go, I don't understand. I can't have water because I don't understand. So now when I turn the water on, am I gonna know, now am I going to know how the water got there and why it goes, oh, I'm, now I'm going to know. No, you're just going to get water, dude. You're just going to get water. This is what we say. I, I, I don't understand how God's voice comes out and uses my voice. Because you open the faucet. You just say yes and allow him to speak. Now, let me illustrate. I was going to draw it, and I won't draw it this morning for time's sake. You have a mind, and you have a spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't come from your head. It comes from your mind. I talked to a gentleman a couple weeks ago. He says, I don't understand it with my head. I said, let me help you. The voice isn't coming from your head. The Holy Spirit isn't speaking from your head. He's speaking from your spirit. This is not the source of your water. This is. Are you doing all right? And what happens is, is that the mind of Christ is in you. And what happens is knowledge, renewed knowledge, comes from your spirit up to your head. 
and your mind begins to agree with God. Everything God asks us to do is by faith, not by understanding. You receive everything God does in your life by faith, not by understanding. And the more you walk in understanding, the more, I mean in faith, the more understanding will come to you over time. That's why Paul said, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Because the things that God asks us to do said we walk by faith and not by or by sight is understanding, seeing, perception. Are you with me? So faith, well, I don't have to perceive it to walk in it. Are you doing okay? So watch it. So that's the question before. We, we shouldn't have, if we can see all this area of spirit speaking, that should set us free to not have that. But you have to understand this point. All spirits must be given access to your life. Every spirit has to be given access. For you to have thoughts from the devil, you have to think in the wrong realm. You have to think in the realm of this world. That's why the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world. This world means the thought process, the mind of this world. Don't think with the concepts of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't think like the world. But if all of my attention is focused in worldly things and what's going on in the world, then it's going to be hard for me to have a renewed mind. So I have to get knowledge from another source in the world. Could you say amen? My knowledge has to come from another place. So in this area, you are the authority. Hear this. You are the authority over your life. Neither demons nor the Holy Spirit of God can violate your authority. They most must be, both must be given access by choice. You and I choose who is allowed to speak into our life. Let me put you like this. How many have ever hung up on somebody? You're in a conversation, you just said, you know what, I'm done with this. You know, I don't want to listen to this. Amen. How many have ever got a call back and said, I'm not even answering this? Wouldn't that be great if you learned to have that much courage with the devil? Just hang up on his call, hang up on his voice. Don't take any more calls. Amen. It'll help you a lot. Amen. So what? The Holy Spirit, hear me, the Holy Spirit will never speak to your life without your permission and agreement. The Holy Spirit will never speak to your, you. The Holy Spirit will never make you prophesy. I have people t- tell me this all the time when, when we discuss the gifts of the Spirit. And people say, well, well, if God wanted me to, He could make me. Okay, thank you for comparing God to a demon. God does not make you do anything. God says, this is what, look, 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 here's how simple it is. Listen to what God said to the nation of Israel. I set before you today life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose. God says, I set before you life in the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, being able to pray supernaturally in intimate communication with me. What do you say? Who oh, no. Okay, God says, okay, listen, listen. In everything with God, and, and, and I love this. I heard this illustration about love the other day. If, if we don't receive God's love, God's heart breaks. When you don't receive God's love for you, His heart breaks. Not because you rejected Him, but because you're missing out on everything His love is to you. Do you understand that? 
God's love, His heart breaks, not because you reject. God doesn't need you. He knows we need Him. And so He's commended His love towards us. Even when we're saying, God reveals and pours His love out upon us. And so God is loving us. And the one losing, when we reject His love, when we reject His benefits, when we reject the Holy Spirit, His heart breaks. Amen. What do you think it means when it says grieve not the Holy Spirit? What grieves the Holy Spirit? What what grieves him? When he's cut off and shut down from bringing his benefits into our lives. But it's his benefits coming into our lives. So who is God losing? Not a bit, but we lose. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Is anybody getting any help this morning? Hopefully I'm bringing some clarity on some issues. I just felt the Holy Spirit take us in this direction. So watch this as I close this morning. Hear this last thing. The most powerful force in your life is God's voice. The most powerful force in your life is God's voice. And the devil knows it. The devil knows it. God's voice in your life. Why is there so much controversy over praying in tongues? Praying in the Spirit. Why is the one thing the devil does not want you to do is pray in the Spirit? What happens every time God speaks? What happens every time God speaks? When God, look, according to the Bible, every time He speaks, something happens. Huh? Say say it loud now. What? Huh? Edification, okay. Uh, huh? It does not return to him void. His word never—he never speaks a void or an empty word. Isaiah fifty-five: the word that goes out of my mouth shall accomplish and complete what I send it to do. Amen. Genesis one: God said, "Light be in." So God's word is a creative force. It is a life-giving force. Amen? What is the one thing the devil doesn't want coming out of your mouth? God's Word. And when you pray in the Spirit, who's speaking through your life? The Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? God. So what is the one voice the devil doesn't want you to have? God's voice. Are you listening to me? So when I pray in the Spirit, what am I doing? I'm agreeing that God wants His voice to be spoken through my life into the earth. And every time He speaks. Look look what I put down in your outline. Let me define it to you this way. His voice always speaks His perfect will. His voice always speaks creative words that never return void. His voice is connected to His knowledge of all things. How many have all knowledge? It has been said, statistics have been been proven, that with the smartest person in the world only uses about 16% of their brain. The person with the highest IQ in the world only uses about 16% of their brain. And the smartest person in the world has been proven that we only only know 2% of all knowledge. So there's 90% of just what can be known naturally in the world that we don't even know or understand. 
But yet God is omniscient, having all knowledge. So when you're trying to pray over a situation and you've chosen not to allow the Holy Spirit to use your voice because of some type of religious tomfoolery that you've been taught over the year, you're cutting yourself off from the voice of God. And your Bible tells you in Romans chapter 8 that the Holy Spirit helps you when you pray and he prays the perfect will of God for the saints. Let me finish with this. His voice is connected to his knowledge. His voice is the only voice that wins every argument with the devil and declares his defeat with authority. His voice rebukes the devil and his attack against our life. Jude chapter 1 verse 19. Yet Michael the archangel in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses declared not, not, dared not bring a, a, a against him a reviling accusation but said the Lord rebuke you let me give you that when you're under an attack you don't have to figure out devil I bind you devil I rebuke you you just pray in the Holy Ghost and you let the voice of God the voice of the Lord and the Spirit bring a rebuke against the enemy are you doing all right I got off on that. The Lord showed me that last night. Amen. Now watch it. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication with the saints. Praying in the Spirit is a weapon of warfare. Stand with me this morning. His voice is a weapon of warfare in our life. So how did we get to where we have so many different opinions about the Holy Spirit, life in the Spirit, and praying in other tongues? We got there through this. Man's traditions, you through your tradition are making the word of God of no effect through your tradition which you have handed down in many such things you do. The word no effect there literally means invalid, invalid, handicapped, crippled, stripped of full function and power. Amen. Bill, can you come to the keyboard quickly? Father, I thank you today. It is your heart. It is your will. You created us to be people filled with your spirit. You formed us in the beginning. Fashioned us. So that you could breathe into our lives. Your breath of life. Your spirit in us. Father, you declared that. You desire to dwell in us. You said, I will dwell in them. It's your heart to live in it. And God, your purpose in our life is to help us. Everything about your Holy Spirit. Jesus declared him to be our helper. So, Father, today, I pray for each person in this building today. That they would say yes to your offer of help. They would say yes to the Holy Spirit. That they would open their heart and ask you for your spirit. And Jesus said, in speaking of you, He said that if we, being evil men, give good gifts to our children, how much more will you, Father, give the Holy Spirit to them who have? So, Father, I pray today that every person, Lord, I come against every lie, every stronghold of thought that has hindered any person in this building from being able to pray in the Spirit, to allow your Holy Spirit to work in their life, to be baptized and filled with your Spirit. Any hindrance or blockage that they have, 
Father, I come against that in the name of Jesus. And Lord, your word says that we can cast down those thoughts and those strongholds and declare freedom. So Father, today I clear liberty over your people. Lord, I break the power of the spirit of fear. Father, there are some in here that have just been walking through seasons of fear and anxiety and stress. And I break that right now in Jesus' name. If you're here.